Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And we discussed the drama of Thomas Hardy's life this week. We (laughs) sure did. And you told me you have strong feelings about Thomas Hardy. Yeah, so um, my entire... K through 12 education from the time we started being assigned homework. Uh, I did not do homework. I thought it was a pointless waste of my time. Yeah, I very rarely did it. I did have a very long bus ride. And even though I I get kind of motion sick in the car, if I sat in the right way on the bus, I could usually get like my math homework done on the bus on the way to school in the morning. So I just didn't... I. I didn't do it. I was in trouble for not doing homework all the time. However, I read every single reading assignment for like English or literature class because I really enjoyed reading. And the one exception to that in my entire, you know, uh, elementary, middle, and high school career was Tessa the D'Urbervilles, which I started trying to read. And I was like, this is the most boring thing I have ever read in my entire life. Uh, I know this is not how literature class happens for a lot of folks, but um, what would happen was we would read the thing and then we would be given this multiple choice reading comprehension test. And so we were all supposed to read Tess of the D'Urbervilles. We were all supposed to get in like a small group and discuss it. And then we were going to take this 
multiple choice tests, and one person in my small group had read it. The rest of us had not. The rest of us were like, this was so boring, I could not. And so she basically told us the whole plot of it. Uh, And then I took a test that I did so badly on (laughs) because I had not read the work that when my teacher gave it back to me with this failing grade on it, she looked at me with this just sorrow on her face and said, Tracy, why did you do that? Uh, and so, yeah. And you've hated Thomas Hardy ever since. Yeah, it's, I just, I could not, I could not read it. And so then I was like, am I remembering this right? And so I went to the Project Gutenberg and I opened up Tess of the Durbervilles and I read the first three or four paragraphs and I was like, yeah, I can see why 10th grade me was like, was nope. not here for this. Yeah. We, I read uh, Jude the Obscure in high school and we, my little band of merry men and I, um, made a video of, about it as our class project, which was mm-hmm. very silly, of course, as one does. Um, and I got to be Arabella, and I played it very broadly. Um, but uh, I definitely did not, as I said at the top, have that connection with Hardy. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, like I said, now as an adult looking at his work, um, and I've read more of it since, and knowing his life story, I'm like, good Lord, this is all embarrassingly autobiographical. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit more about Emma because she's a fascinating figure. And one of the things that I loved, but there wasn't really the right place to put it in here that didn't feel wedged in, it went in and came out like six times while I was working on this, is that she she was writing throughout their marriage. Like, she was still trying to have her literary career, even though he wasn't really supporting it. And one of the things that she wrote that I didn't get the original of, I got... I was reading several papers about her, and one of which quoted several times this particular piece of writing that I love so much, because it's an article in a periodical called The Animal's Friend that she wrote in 1898, and it's, like, just about kitties. (laughs) And my favorite part is she has this whole thing about... um, how to pick up a cat to keep it happy. And it's all about being really sweet and treating it as if it were fine china. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so charming that oh. she was a cat lady. She had a lot of cats up in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, this brings me to my next thing that I found fascinating doing this research because every biography you read of Thomas Hardy picks a villain in this this triangle of people, mm-hmm. and they pick different villains depending on the point of view of the author, right? Sure. So some of them are very like, Emma was a pain in the neck. Poor Thomas Hardy was saddled with this monster who would openly say that she was from a higher class than him. And like, others will be like, ah, oh, Florence was really the gold digger. She went right after that business, and everyone knew that she was trying to lure Hardy. And Emma even does seem to have gotten a bit suspicious eventually of like, wait, why is this woman in our lives so much? Um, and others are like, man, Thomas Hardy just didn't, he was in love with falling in love, and he didn't know actually what a relationship was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very fascinating to look at at all of those, because I think the bottom line is, right, like, probably none of them were really, I mean, this is humans, right? Like, we all have foibles, and nobody's perfect, but all of them had these idealized views of 
relationships that no one could live up to. Mm -hmm. And instead of being like, oh, that's not realistic, they were like, damn it, you didn't fulfill my dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Florence, the least of all. I think she wanted to know Thomas Hardy. She was a fangirl. She got married to him, and that worked out for her. Yeah. I think she kind of got the most happy ending of them all. She did, uh, this is another part, though. So the cats. I read one biography that said that Florence got rid of Emma's cats, full stop. Wow. And I read another version where it was like, no, Florence actually wrote a letter to a friend about how some of the cats ran away when they didn't have Emma to take care of them, and some of the cats just died of old age, and some were killed, it sounded like. And I'm like, what exactly happened with those pets? Mm -hmm. Um, But we know that the cats were not cared for after Emma passed, which is very sad. Uh, But yeah, everybody is a villain, depending on whose whose biography you're reading. It becomes one of those stories that's really important to read multiple different sources. Right, right. (laughs) Because none of them will say the same thing. Um, That was why I selected that piece that we quoted about Emma because it's it was really the most fair-handed of any that I came across where it was like no she probably was a pain in the neck sometimes but she was also really unhappy and miserable and that was yeah. because she wasn't getting any kind of support um so let this be a lesson don't be any like <laughs> these people in your relationships um uh also you can turn out okay if you never do your homework <laughs> I never did my homework. Yeah, I was well, very bad. Thinking on homework has also changed since we were. Uh, like, I see increasing numbers of educators being like, especially in elementary school, it doesn't really serve a purpose. Uh, like, the homework that should be done is the work that didn't get done in class because right. like, that's the practice that's needed. But I always was like, I learned this in class and you want me to learn it more home, I guess? I don't... I don't know. I would rather be doing literally anything else. Yeah, I was not a great homework doer. What I have the fondest memories of growing up in terms of schoolwork at home was studying for tests with my dad. Because if I made, like, flashcards or notes for him, he would quiz me on stuff. And it was the most fun sometimes we ever had. Like, I will forever remember us discussing the four kinds of algae at length. Oh, wow. And him just laughing at all the different names of algae. And, like, I that was a really fun time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I was not a good homework doer. I coasted a lot. I got pushed through a lot of classes that were advanced, I think, because my best friend was the smartiest smarty Mm. pants of smart town. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we should keep her happy, which means just keep putting Holly (laughs) in the classes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky enough that I was usually able to do well enough on tests and stuff, having not done my homework, that that zero on my homework did not cause me to fail a class. I, n- I never had a zero on a homework. I would have died first. I yeah. would literally, like, throw it together lickety-split, but I would never have done that. However, I do also have a good, um, it, well, it's a mix in terms of good and bad. Our physics class in high school, I did none of the work before the first test. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how it happened, but I aced that test. And all of my friends who were much smarter than me 
did not. Oh, no. And so then it was like, Holly is the wunderkind of physics. And I was like, I don't know what happened here, y'all. I don't understand any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So the rest of that semester was very difficult for me. But, um, ah, education. Everyone responds to different stuff. That's the trick that nobody knew when we were kids. Yeah. There's been a whole, uh, like, we heard a lot about learning styles some years ago. And, like, there's some research that, like, learning styles are more about preferences than actually whether you are able to learn better. But I do feel like the... uh, a lot of people, the things I will hear teachers talking about doing with their classes now sounds a lot more engaging and relevant than what was happening in classes that I was in in the 1980s and 90s, where it was really like, you are in 10th grade. You're going to read Tess of the Durbervilles for some reason. You're going to discuss it in a small group, and then you're going to take a multiple-choice reading comprehension test. And that is somehow going to be useful to you. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, you studied literature in college, as did I. And it's like, when you actually start to, like, really dig in, and like I said, for me, the biographies are the, the entry point to that, to looking at literature as a lens of humanity, then it becomes much more interesting. But you don't get that when you're younger. And I know, or at least we did not. I think now more teachers will introduce that concept, but um, in a, in a way that's compelling. Yeah. I also had college experiences where I found the reading so dreadfully boring that I was like, how am I even going to get through this? This is awful. <laughs> and then when I got into class and our professor talked to us about it, I would realize things that I, as a reader, reading by myself in my dorm room, had never seen and was like, oh, this is actually really cool. There are all these layers to this that I did not understand upon reading it. And that was not how, that was not how my 10th grade literature class with Tess of the Durbervilles worked at all. Oh, Tess. Oh, Thomas Harvey. (sighs) And the kitties. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs, and if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper... You're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day, seriously. 
It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if everyone's being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. This week on the show, one of the things we talked about was the Women's March on Pretoria, South Africa in 1956, uh, which I stumbled across in some random way and then thought I want to make that an episode of the show and discovered one of the things that can be challenging when talking about a topic about something that is uh, that far away from where we physically are, which is the availability of resources. Uh, There are various books um, about this specific thing and the people who are involved with it. Uh, A lot of them uh, do not have ebook versions, or if they do have ebook versions, I was not able to find them, and they are not in print beyond South Africa. Uh, And in terms of online resources... So, you know, I grew up in the United States. I speak American English. I've read a lot of stuff that was written somewhere in the UK or Ireland and so familiar with the, like, stylistic conventions of English in those places. Also, to some extent, Australia. Um, Reading stuff that was about South Africa that was written in South Africa and either in English or translated into English, I kept finding stuff like idioms I'd never encountered before. Oh, right. And just sort of uh, general, slightly different stylistic conventions that I just wasn't familiar with. And it was kind of like, wow, this is like a, just a slightly different 
uh, flavor of English than the ones I have been in, immersed in my whole life. Sometimes it seems like even syntax is a little different. Yeah, yeah. Like just the way other uh, cultures will construct a sentence mm-hmm. will put emphasis in different places than we might naturally yeah. fall into. So it can be a little like kind of um, tugging apart threads and being like, okay, what is this actually saying? Yeah. Even though it is a language we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a, I don't, it's, um, it's not the first time that I've done research related to South Africa, but it was the first time that I was really struck by uh, just like a slightly different uh, English usage than I have spent most of my time on. So many of the people who were part of planning that march seem like they have had such uh, fascinating and important lives. And uh, if I can sort of pick away at maybe getting some access to some more international resources, some of them may return for full episodes on them. Hooray! Yes, I find more and more lately, I think maybe because we have been doing this show for so long, that it starts to be easier and easier to see threads connecting seemingly disparate things in history sometimes. Mm. And then when you start following those, you're like, oh, I want to talk about that and that and that and that. And then I end up with a huge whole long list just off of one episode. And then I'm like, "Mm, am I making cluster episodes? Are these all about the same things too much together? But this is the peril. That's why sometimes I'll like intentionally space stuff out. It's also interesting in that uh, most of what we focus on on the show is not stuff that you and I lived through in some way. Right. Not all the time, most of the time. But, like, I was in high school and college when apartheid was being Mm -hmm. dismantled. Um, And, you know, younger than that was, you know, uh, aware enough to remember, like, the the boycotts of South Africa and uh, different uh, actors and musicians and other celebrities, like, taking really vocal stands against apartheid and stuff like that. And so uh, it is interesting to then look back on that period from now the perspective of having worked on a history podcast right since whenever 2013 when we started <laughs> doing this history podcast i 100% learned about apartheid because of stevie van zant yeah starting artists united against apartheid yeah. in the 80s and yeah. like that being really the first time that <laughs> That I was really, I think, exposed to activism on that level of, mm-hmm. of like being like, oh, people who have a certain degree of privilege because of celebrity can actually leverage that to make statements. That was really the first time I remember being conscious of that going on. Yeah. I think. I'm trying to now remember when that versus... um you know, all of Bob Geldof's work was happening, like which mm-hmm. was first and which was second, but they're kind of clustered there together. So mm-hmm. <sighs> that's how I learned about activism. <laughs> musicians in the 80s. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I had a whole, just a pile of YouTube videos that I had as I was going through and uh, and corralling um, sources. I had a whole bunch of YouTube videos that were uh, all naming the Women's March in some way. 
And uh, a lot of them, when I actually viewed them, were, you know, the recent year's addresses and public commemorations and things like that about the Women's March. Um, And consistently, they all had a message of, we've come so far, and what uh, what these women did was so important, but we also still have so far to go particularly in terms of uh, of the rights of women um, and violence against women and things like that in South Africa. Um, so yeah, it was it was really interesting to to see that really consistent through line through all of these different speeches and newscasts and things like that from within the last few years. Yeah, well, it becomes a study in resilience, right? Like it can be difficult when your protest or your um, document that you've assembled or your petition doesn't seem like it's really moved the needle very much. Mm-hmm. It, I know I would have a very hard time going, okay, but I'm still going to keep trying. And I go, well, that didn't work. Um, so it, I am always uh, impressed by, not necessarily in the sense of that word, like, oh, I'm so impressed, but just it impresses on me how important it is to really retain commitment to a cause. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you don't always feel like you're making any progress or getting any wins. Um, Right, right. But that's how change happens, is that you don't get deterred by what feel like setbacks or lack of progress. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm glad I stumbled across this reference in some... uh, I don't even remember some random place that made me go, hey, let me look into more about that. Since it's Friday, hope everybody has a, a good weekend coming up, regardless of what is on your plates. We'll be back on Saturday with a Saturday classic and then Monday with a brand new episode. We'll hope you'll stick around for it. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, 
fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 